Hey everyone, and thank you so much for tuning in to another episode of Broadway Talks, where I sit down with Broadway stars and discuss the magic that is theater. In this episode, I'm joined by Ian Corsi, who is a freshman studying musical theater at the University of Michigan, the number one public university in the US and Onstage Blog's number one BFA musical theater program. Hey, Ian. Hey, thanks for having me. Of course, how are you? I'm great, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good, I'm doing good. How are you holding up with the new school changes and everything changing? It's pretty crazy, but we're, we're handling it as best as we can. And, you know, Michigan's doing some pretty amazing things online. Yeah. We're definitely getting our money's worth. Okay, great. Uh, how did you get into theater, firstly, before we get into everything else that's going on? Yeah, so, so theater's definitely been a huge part of my life. Um, I think the biggest inspiration for me from a young age was from my aunt. And she, she's been in the uh, theater and film industry for most of her life. And you know, after college, she moved to Scotland for the Fringe Festival and she just stayed there for oh, 20 wow. years. And so she's really been a big influence on me. And kind of a funny story, when, when I was younger, we, had, we were always like bantering with each other and we had an act off to see like who could do a skit better and like, <laughs> better obviously she did it better because she's a professional and I was seven years old um but we decided to do the skit who's on first by Albert and Costello and uh you know obviously it was pretty rigged because my grandparents were the judges and I won because I was a child trying to boost my ego but um yeah ever since that point I I really just fell in love with theater and I joined um a youth Shakespearean theater company when I was uh, around eight and from there, my passion and love just grew and, and I couldn't get enough of it. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's great that you've been involved in it for like so long because there's so many people who get into it so late, which is totally fine. But it's nice that you've been able to experience it for your whole life. Definitely. I, I, I feel very fortunate that I've um, you know, had the opportunities in my community to, to be in these shows and like and have access to people who have the same passion as me. Because a lot of people, uh, they live in these towns that don't have as much theater as, as I do. So I, I'm, I'm very fortunate to be able to have that. And did you ever have a defining moment almost? Like when was that moment that you knew that theater is what you wanted to do? You wanted to go to college to study theater or was it kind of always evolving? Was it always there? Yeah, so, so I was also in love with baseball. My, my brother's a big baseball player. He's playing in college right now. So I w- for most of my younger life, I was dealing with uh, picking between baseball and theater. And I was playing up until my freshman year of high school. And my freshman year, I wasn't in the play, um, but I went to see it with my girlfriend at the time and my mom. Um, and it was noises off. And I remember about 10 minutes into the show, I was just... I was fully blown away. It felt like a professional production. And I turned to my mom and I said, I want to do this. And, you know, up until that point, I was in shows. I was a part of a youth theater company and I was being exposed to theater slowly. um, But I was never like a hundred percent in. And, and during that show, I think something just clicked with me. And from that moment on, I joined my high school theater company. I joined uh, two other theater companies in my community. So I was constantly doing shows and trying to get as much of it as I could. And um, I think from that point, I don't really remember questioning what I was going to go to college to do. You know, before that, I wanted to uh, play baseball in college and go to UCLA. But um, right at that moment, I knew that that's what I wanted to do with the rest of my life. So yeah, I, I didn't really struggle with the decision of, of what to do in college or what to major in. I kind of, I, I knew what I loved to do and I knew that's what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. And then fast forward a few years later, you start auditioning for theater schools, which if you're listening and you don't know, is probably one of the hardest programs <laughs> to get into, which people don't really know. Not just, you know, getting in because of how selective they are. Most theater schools don't admit upwards of 100 people. But anyways, which is anyways an incredibly small number, but even the application period, you have to do all the essays and get all the good grades, but you have to submit all these videos and every single school is different. So what was your experience like auditioning for all these schools and which schools did you end up auditioning for? 
Right. Yeah, it was it was pretty crazy. I mean, every, every single uh, person audition experience is ridiculous because, you know, it's it's three times the amount of work that um, a normal quote, quote yeah. unquote student would um, would go through. So um, I felt I felt very lucky. My mom was very supportive and um we, we were both very organized and going through the whole process. And I sat down with my vocal coach um, and, and we went through every school, what, what they were looking for, what I was looking for in school, which was very important to me. Um, and and, and the, the main thing was finding uh, material that really spoke to me and, and that showed my personality. Because, you know, when you go through this audition process, you're singing the same three songs and doing the same two monologues for every single school. So it, it, it does get tiring. Um, so really finding important material was, was a big thing for me. So I auditioned for eight schools um, and those were Michigan, Penn State, Carnegie Mellon, CCM, Syracuse, Ithaca, Elon, and Pace. All so, pretty, pretty selective programs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, I, I really knew that this is what I wanted to do. And, and I felt very prepared. I've been training and, and, and working as hard as I could for the past four years, building up to this moment. So I was really giving it my all. And at, at the time, I was also in three musicals and going through the audition process. So it was, uh, it was a pretty heavy lift. But but I felt prepared. I had all my friends supporting me um, that were also going through the process. And, um, you know, something that helped me is we, uh, we kind of collaborated and, and picked the same audition date. So we were with people we knew. Okay. At, at, so we felt at home. Um, but Michigan was my top choice because the summer before the audition process, I went to Impulse, which okay. is the uh, Michigan Summer Intensive, which is like a three week boot camp of uh, some of the classes you would take in Michigan. Um, you stay in the dorms, you eat at the cafeteria. It's really the whole college experience. And I really just fell in love with the program. I thought it was fantastic. And, and the faculty were just incredible. They were so supportive and they connected with all of us on such a personal level. Um, and it really felt like you were wanted in the program. Even, even though it was just summer intensive, it just felt like such a incredible community. So coming out of Impulse, I was, I really had my heart set on Michigan. And so every, every other audition was really important to me um, because all of those programs are so incredible. But, but going into my Michigan audition, I was, I was really nervous. But I, at the same time, I felt most comfortable there because I had spent three weeks there with the faculty yeah. um, and I felt at home. So overall, the audition process was, was stressful, but you know, I felt pretty prepared and, and it all it all worked out in the end. Yeah. And in the schools that you just mentioned of the schools you applied to, NYU wasn't in those list of schools. And if, I mean, NYU is also a really popular choice, just like Michigan is because of its rankings and all that. And also because it's in New York City. So I'm just wondering how come you didn't choose to apply there? Yeah. Yeah. That's a great question. Um, so, so I did apply to Pace, which is in New York, but mm -hmm. a big for me was, kind of staying out of the city because for me, New York is going to be there, you know, for all actors, the city's not going anywhere. There's going to be new shows for me to audition for. Um, and I think I would just be tempted to audition for, for things if I was in the city and kind of get distracted. And that was something that I talked about with my vocal coach a lot. We, uh, we kind of decided that these four years are really crucial and I need to, kind of be isolated from the city and work on my craft and my technique because, you know, you go to college to improve. There's hundreds of people that don't go to college that just go straight to the city. But, you know, this also ties back to the audition process. If you're, if you're a triple threat and you're exceeding in all aspects, why are you going to college? Like you go there to grow and to learn as an artist. So for me, it was really important to, to be going into this process and to be going into college to improve. Um, and I love New York. I was very tempted. A bunch of my friends go to NYU. It's an incredible program, but in the end, I don't, I just don't think it was for me. Mm -hmm. And like you said, that's so important because you're spending so long there and the community is so small for theater students. It's important to be at a place where you feel like you'll grow the most. 
that yeah. you possibly can. Yeah, definitely. No, it, as much as schools are auditioning us, you know, we're also trying to find our home for the next four years. And this is the program that we're going to be living in and, and living with these people. It's a very close in the community, like you said. And also, even though we're not at these schools like NYU or Penn State, we're still going to be working with all these people in four years because all of us yeah. are going to be in the, working together. So, you know, it, it was just about finding my home and finding where I was most comfortable to be the best artist I could be. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And going back to what you said a little bit earlier about choosing material. I mean, like you said, that's such a huge part of the audition process, not because your material itself is going to decide whether you get in or don't get in or whatever, but it's whether the material is right for you and can showcase who you are as a, as a performer. And, you know, hundreds of these lists are created. Don't do these songs, don't do these monologues and just stuff like that. So how did you kind of approach the topic of choosing your a material and how did you keep it fresh almost because obviously you practiced a lot before and you did it so many times in the auditions so how did you kind of keep yourself not over prepared but not under prepared and also how did you choose the material itself yeah definitely um but I really don't believe in the the do not sing list or anything like that I think if if something speaks to you and you can sing it and you can sing it well do it you know I mean I sang What Is It About Her from The Wild Party and Goodbye from Casper Pecan and Younger Than Springtime from South Pacific. And um, I just really loved those songs. And at the time I was doing Catch Me Pecan. So that song was very close to my heart and I loved it. Um, and I really loved What Is It About Her. So, so I really didn't get that tired of singing those songs because they were just so much fun to sing and, and there's so much you could do with them. I will say with the monologues, um, kind of a funny story. When I went to my Michigan audition, I was waiting outside the room. And um, originally my monologue was focused around a mother figure. And something like clicked in my mind. I was like, what if I, what if I switched it? What if I made it about my dad? Because, you know, the, the contents of the monologue was more personal to me if I made it about my dad. And literally 30 seconds before I walked in the room, I completely changed my monologue and like my objectives and my obstacles in the, in the monologue. And I went in and, uh, you know, Vince Cardinal is the head of the program and he was yeah. in my room. He's a fantastic, fantastic chair. Um, and he said, we prepared two monologues and he said, um, choose the monologue that's uh, the most personal to you. And so I chose the one that I changed <laughs> just before. And making that switch really made it a lot more genuine. And I think, I think that's a, one of the biggest reasons I got in because I was just being myself. And that's, it's very cheesy to say, but schools are really just looking to, to see you. And if you pass the pre-screen, you're, you're talented enough to get in the schools. They're, the the in-person audition is really just to see who you are and if you fit the vibe of the school and, and if you want to be there. So, yeah, the material is so important. And, and, and choosing it was, it was a struggle to find monologues because there's so many. Um, and a lot of them, you can't really connect you. And it's also, you know, taking a minute and a half monologue out of the context of a show is pretty hard. So finding monologues is pretty challenging, but, you know, I did a lot of research and I found some monologues that were uh, personal to me. But the songs kind of came naturally. I, I really just love singing those songs. So it was a no brainer for picking those. Mm -hmm. And obviously in all of these auditions, you are auditioning in front of a panel, like you said, Vince Cardinal. And he eventually is the one who literally handpicks the 25 or 30 or however many get accepted that year incoming class. And you probably audition in front of a lot of those people at, across the schools that you audition for. So, I mean, some people struggle with this some people don't, but how do you keep yourself grounded and focused on your monologue, on the objective of your monologue and just elements of your audition instead of the people who you're auditioning for? Yeah, definitely. Uh, a funny story, during my first audition at Pace, um, I was sitting outside the room uh, with about five or six other kids waiting to audition. And there were a few current students waiting out with us. And they were kind of giving us advice, hyping, hyping us up. And one of the kids auditioning was like, do you have any advice on nerves and like 
keeping us grounded, like you said. And the student said, if you break it down to a really basic level, we're just going in a room and singing musical theater songs for people who love musical theater. And, and when they said that, something just clicked in me. I was like, all, all, the, all the tension and the stress just left my body because we're really just going in a room and sharing art with someone else who loves the, the craft of musical theater. And, and, you know, people say this all the time that everyone at the table wants us to succeed. Like they want us to be the one to be in the program or, or book the show. And that's really true. Everyone who I auditioned for was so loving and so encouraging. And, you know, if you, if you mess up a song, if you crack, if you forget a line, they don't care. Like that happens to everyone. That's, that, that's what makes us human. Um, but if you break it down to that really basic level, we're just going in and singing songs for people who love to hear us sing and, and who want us to succeed. Um, and also just being really, really prepared and knowing your material, knowing what you're going to do, how you're going to do it. Uh, the only thing you can do is go in the room and deliver your best performance. So just having that mindset going in was really helpful for me. And like you said, getting prepared is so important. And how did you yourself prepare? Did you have, you know, coaches? Did you go through one of those like college prep programs? Like what do you think throughout your preparation process was the thing that really solidified, you know, your mission? Yeah. So tons of my friends went to uh, music theater coaches and, you know, those companies who help you through the college process. I personally didn't. I worked one-on-one uh, -on -one with my vocal coach. He was extremely helpful for me. Um, I didn't really have a lot of coaching on my monologues. I kind of, what I did for most of the process, I just recorded myself um, doing the monologues or singing the songs and, and I could nitpick what I was doing and, and what I was doing wrong, how I could improve on this section. And so, yeah, I kind of went through the whole process solo, I guess. Um, and, and for me, that was really helpful. Uh, I, I, just, I just didn't think a, a college program would, would prepare me as much as I could prepare myself, as I could uh, pick my own material, uh, kind of coach myself and, and know what I'm doing wrong or what I'm doing right. Because at the end of the day, like I said, they just want to see me. And I didn't really want to be shaped into something else that wasn't me when I was going into the audition process. And I wanted to be as genuine as I could. So kind of going, um, going at the process alone was, was a track I took. And I, and I think that was the best choice for me. Mm -hmm. And I guess that's so helpful too, because you can kind of make the mistakes on your own. You can learn for yourself and not kind of feel like everyone else is telling you what to do, but you can choose what you want to do. And like you said, that brought out the genuineness and the you factor out of your, out of your pieces. And that's like you said, exactly what they want to see from you. Yeah. I, I will say some of the best advice I ever got was from Brent Wagner, who is the former chair at university of Michigan. He still teaches there. I have in this semester and incredible class. He's one of the best teachers I've ever had. And during Impulse, he, he gave us a quote that he says to all of his students. He said, you can't move forward while looking at the side. And in other words, that means you can't progress as an individual and as an artist if you're constantly looking around you and comparing yourself to, to other people. Like there's going to be people who can, who can dance better than you, who can do, you know, eight pirouettes in a row or who can sing higher than you or, or riff or cry in their auditions. But that doesn't matter because that's not you, right? The only thing that you can control is yourself and you can't move forward if you're constantly holding yourself back being like, oh, he's better than me. She's better than me. That's not really, that's not really what it's about. And, and the, you know, I, I kind of lived by that quote after Impulse. It was my senior quote uh, whenever I was feeling <laughs> that myself that I tell all the kids that you know ask me about Michigan and and what they should do and any advice that's what I tell them I say you can't move forward I'll look inside and and it's really helped me and another um another thing when when I got into Michigan we had a zoom call with Gavin Creel which was incredible he's yeah. the sweetest in my life and I asked him 
you know, what advice do you have for college kids getting ready to go into the industry? And he said, you know, don't resent people for their success and celebrate other people's successes. So there's going to be kids that are getting into, like, anyone's listening to this, there's going to be kids getting into your dream school. You may not get into it. That, that's okay. Good for them. We have to celebrate their successes. We can't bring other people down because, you know, they're succeeding. Because soon we're going to succeed and, and we can't focus on them. We have to focus on our track and what we're doing in life because you can't move forward without looking to the side. You got you to gotta just focus on yourself. So, you know, those mindsets really help me through the process. Yeah. And honestly, that makes a lot of sense. It really brings a new perspective to the same old, like, rehearse, rehearse, rehearse. Like, you have to, you know, do whatever. Like, those really bring a new insight, which is awesome. Yeah, definitely. At, at the end of the day, your only job is to go in the room and, and be yourself and, and sing and, and act the material that you prepared. You can't control anyone else around you. There's, there's so many factors in the audition process that, that you can't control. Like the only thing you can do is, is do your material. There's, there's so much that goes on behind the scenes, like, like what, the, what the department's looking for, if they're trying to fill the spots of the seniors that are leaving, if they need a belter, if they need a dancer first. There's so much that you can't control. Um, and if you don't get into school, you can't get down on yourself because there's so many other programs out there that are all incredible. Every, every program that I've seen has fantastic training and an incredible staff and anyone would be lucky to go to those schools. So, you know, if you don't get into one school, there's going to be another one that's going to be perfect for you and you're going to end up where you're supposed to be. Yeah. You just got to be yourself, I guess, and everything will work out in the end. Yeah. And so now about you specifically and compared to your other college auditions, like what was the one thing that you felt kind of set the way Michigan approached the auditions versus other schools, or maybe they did it similarly. What was your experience? Yeah, so like I said, Michigan was definitely the most comfortable I've been in an audition. And so before we even started our audition, we, we all gathered in the theater and Vince Cardinal, well, the, a few of the current students gave a presentation about the program and, and what, um, you know, what they were looking for and what they do for their students. And then Vince Cardinal came out and he kind of just relaxed everyone. He said, you're all talented enough to be here. You wouldn't have passed the pre-screen if you weren't talented enough to be here. And we want you here. This is really just about you seeing if you want to be here and if we fit your needs. Um, and so ju just having that kind of support and knowing that everyone at the table wanted us there was really calming. And again, I, I felt so at home um, because of impulse, especially during the dance call. I am not a dancer first. And um, I had class with Rhonda Jesus, who was the head dance instructor during impulse. Um, and we formed uh, a relationship during impulse and, and kind of having him there as a mentor and a, and a um, just kind of support system during the dance call was very, it was very calming to me. And so when I went in, I was very stressed because they, they have a ballet dance call and I am not a ballet dancer. And then we did a dance combo. And so I, I'm usually very stressed during dance calls, but, but during that whole process, I felt like I could be myself and kind of put down my guard and relax, which was, which was awesome. Mm -hmm. No, and 100%, you just have to be comfortable during yeah. the whole thing. Because if you're tense and everything else gets tense your singing becomes tense and your technique falls and you know whatever so yeah like you said it's just so important to be comfortable yeah absolutely during my during my um song when i was singing goodbye you know i was very flat on the last note and and vince knew that i could do better and um we came back to it and one of the professors cynthia was playing piano and she wanted to do a few exercises with me to kind of get those higher notes. And, you know, if anyone asks you to do more material or to work on something during an audition, that's awesome because they're seeing if you can work with the staff and if you can take notes and be um, adaptable. 
And so during that whole time when I was working with Cynthia, I could see the table kind of uh, watching us and seeing how we work together. Um, and I think that really helped me uh, get into the program. So, so I'm kind of glad that I didn't, I didn't hit that last note <laughs> as strong as I usually did. But yeah, it was a, it was a great, it was a great audition. Yeah, like you just said, everything happens for a reason. Yeah, exactly. So now this is a little bit more of what's happening in the present, but obviously the theater industry is changing so much with the pandemic and just in general, it's always changing. And now so many more ways of doing theater are being explored, which is awesome. But how has your a curriculum changed? Or how has your teachers, like a method of teaching changed to adapt to this changing of the industry? Yeah, so I think the biggest change was probably with dance and with our voice lessons. Uh, so freshmen have half hour lessons every week. Um, and we have, a, we have a private vocal coach, which is awesome. And so we usually go into the vocal studio and work one-on-one -on -one with them in person, um, but we can't do that. So, you know, we have to Zoom with them and, and I'm in an apartment with three other people. And it's kind of challenging to find a quiet time to, to be belting our songs at 10 in the morning. But, um, you know, we're making it work as best as we can. Uh, dance, dance, I will say, has been, been awesome. Um, for, for me personally, because I'm in an apartment and we have a lot of room. So, you know, the four of us all do ballet at our, our kitchen table with, with our hand on the table as our bar. Um, and, and sometimes we, we started off in person, um, but then there was an outbreak in the dance department and unfortunately that shut down our classes. So then we moved completely online. And, and it's been challenging at times, but uh, we're, all, we're all very happy with how it turned out. And, and in classes with uh, Professor Wagner, who I learned from at Impulse, and Professor Walker, who teaches a ensemble technique class, which really focuses on the anatomy of the body and the voice, um, we've really learned a lot. And obviously our um, main stage shows were canceled. So we, we created something called Empty Ghost Light, which is a big review of any material that the students wanted to showcase. Um, so a lot of the seniors had big solo songs that they recorded um, completely alone on the stage with uh, like professional quality video. Um, so at the end of every month, there's a big review and showcase of all work. And um, our student-led production just did Newsies in Concert which was incredible. They went out into the streets of Ann Arbor, completely COVID conscious. They had masks on. They uh, recorded all the songs before they got together. So um, it was completely safe. They went out into the streets of Ann Arbor and recorded um, all the songs in the show with full out choreography. Wow. And it was incredible to see, you know, the, the quality of production that we can make while still separated um, because of COVID. And I think it's gonna unlock a lot um, in the theater industry. You know, Baldwin Wallace just did Spring Awakening and it was incredible. Yeah. Um, so I think a new style of, of uh, performing is gonna come out of this and we're advancing so much in technology and hopefully Broadway will be back very soon. But okay. even in the Broadway community, um, people are doing like Seth Rudetsky. Uh, Stars like, in the House, I think is what it's called, yeah. Who raised so much money for the Actors Fund, it's incredible. Um, and so obviously a lot of awful things have happened because of the pandemic and so many people are out of work and, and struggling to get by. But I think in the end, theater is just going to come back stronger than ever. And uh, we're going to find new ways to perform, uh, new ways to be accessible to broader audiences. But yeah. Yeah. And, and yeah, like you said, it's terrible what's happened, but it's great that there's so many more ways of theater being explored. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this summer actually, um, which was kind of like in the middle of, of our quarantine, I started a music theater camp with two of my friends, a virtual uh, theater camp called Virtual Q. Wow. And targeted uh, third through sixth graders. And I was their vocal coach, we had a choreographer and then an acting coach. 
and we had like two sessions of three weeks with all these kids online um, just to get just to give them a creative outlet for all of their um, theatrical energy <laughs> to, to get out there. And, you know, we assigned them songs, we taught them dances, we made them scenes all online. And it really worked and it seemed like they loved it. And, you know, we just finished a winter session uh, a few days ago and we have another session coming up in the summer. So even though we, we because of the vaccine, we may be in person during the summer, it's just starting, just starting a camp to get these kids a creative outlet since all their shows have been canceled. It was really great. And it was really encouraging to see, um, you know, the smiles on their faces when they were singing and acting and just getting that passion of theater back. Yeah. I mean, that's incredible that you, that you started out. What kind of gave you the idea to get that started? Well, it's kind of funny. It started as a joke with me and my friends. We were like, because well, all our shows were canceled. There's nothing to do. We were like, what if we started our own theater company? And we were like, no, that's never going to happen. Um, and, you know, we've, we've grown up doing these theater camps and doing these intensives with our theater companies, and they weren't happening during that time. And so no one really knew what to do. And so I was like, what if we actually did this? Like, we were joking about it at first, but what if we actually did it? And we reached out to a few kids in the community, and they seemed to be on board. And, you know, before we knew it, we had 25 or 30 kids signed up. Wow. Uh, yeah, now we're four sessions in, and we, we were just hired by a middle school in the area to direct their show. Oh, my God. I mean, that's incredible that, that you've started and it's taken off. Like, I mean, it's amazing. Thank you. Yeah, we, we really were not expecting it. And we just uh, became an official theater company a few days ago, virtual theater. We signed all the documents and all the legal stuff. So, yeah, it's pretty exciting. To, yeah. To, Okay, so now we've talked about Michigan, we've talked about college, now let's talk about you as an artist. So what was your favorite performance that you've ever been in and why? Oof. Um, it's a tough question, it's a tough question. It's either my first musical, which was freshman year, which was Titanic. Um, I really had no experience with musical theater. I had no vocal training before that. You know, I've been singing around the house, but I never really saying and uh, my my best friend at the time was like why don't you audition for the musical this was right after i saw noises off and i was completely entranced by the show and i was like okay i'll audition and i really had no idea what i was doing um and i auditioned and i got frederick barrett which is a it's a great part in the show and it was one of my dream roles and it was just such a great experience to learn from all the seniors and and just to be a part of a community because I was new to high school. I was, I went to public school all my life and I went to a private Catholic school or high school and uh, it was completely different. I didn't really have any friends. And then coming into the theater community was really helpful for me. So it's either Titanic or Cabaret. Cabaret was the last show I did before the pandemic. We actually had our, our last show on March 10th, I think right before everything yeah. shut down. Wow. We really had no idea what was happening. Um, but it was really a, it was really an amazing experience. I was the MC, and you know that's that's not a role that you get to play too often. It's very different and out there. Mm -hmm. and it was definitely a challenge for me because I've never played anything like that. But I think it was I you know, it was the show that allowed me to grow the most as an artist and an individual. And it was just such a loving and and creative environment to do the show in. It was pretty life changing. So either either Titanic or Cabaret. Probably. <laughs> and both, both great shows. Incredible shows. Two of my favorite shows of all time. <laughs> uh -huh. And this is something now that I find is always fun to talk about because it's something that you can laugh at now, but what is your biggest theater fail? And I hate saying the word fail. I hate it. I think it's the worst word. I don't know why. I just feel so like weird saying it. But anyways, I can't think of a better word. So we're going to stick with that for now. But it's I mean, it could really be anything from on stage to auditions. I, I have one guest who passed out in an audition, like fainted. Um, somebody fell on her face during a tap dance solo. Like there are so many things that you, that could have happened. So what is your biggest theater fail that you can laugh about now, but was the worst thing in the world when it happened? Sure. Um, <laughs> I have two funny stories that didn't happen to me, but I was on stage when they happened. Um, 
I, I'm very fortunate that nothing like this has happened to me when I was performing. But uh, my first one was when I was doing Hamlet. Um, we we kind of put a twist on it and we set the show in a dollhouse. And so we all had these paper mache masks. We were all uh, costumed in doll-like uh, clothes. And we had a huge three-story dollhouse uh, as a set. And so some of the characters, when they weren't performing, they would sit like in a frozen position in the dollhouse behind me. And they, sometimes they would just stand there for 25, 30 minutes when, when they weren't performing. And they were pretty high up there. It was probably like 20 or 30 feet in the air. Oh, wow. And um, I was on stage and I was delivering my lines. And I just remember, this was during tech. And I just remember hearing my director scream and I hear a huge clank um, behind me and I look behind me and there is the girl playing Polonius just on the ground and it turns out she passed out when she was up on the third level of the dollhouse and she fell off and she luckily she didn't feel anything she passed out when she was on the dollhouse but she just fell off on the stage oh my god ridiculous everyone was freaking out because we didn't know what to do um luckily she was perfectly fine she she was just a little sore but she didn't feel anything but that was probably one of the crazier things that have happened to me. And then when I was doing Music Man my sophomore year, um, I was playing Harold Hill and we were doing the scene right before 76 Trombones. And if you don't know, that scene is in the auditorium mm -hmm. in River City. And you know, everyone was on stage. And the, uh, the girl playing the mayor's wife was about to come out and do her big solo with, um, the uh, piccolo girls yeah and she comes out with her with like her drum and everything and she's she's singing and our set had um four steps going down as the uh, as you came uh down stage yeah and she slipped on the on the top step and she was literally parallel to the ground when she was yeah. falling oh no and in the middle of a show i think this was um this was our second show and it was a sold out audience and everyone gasped and she just laid there for a second and no one knew what to do. And then she got up and she finished the scene, but then she went off stage and I was very concerned because number one for her safety and number two, because I had a scene with her right after. Yeah. So she was going to come on stage and I'm standing on stage getting ready for the scene. And I look over <laughs> the stage left and I see her in a wheelchair with my stage manager and she just pushes her on stage. <laughs> so now I have to improv the entire scene around the wheelchair. Um, and you know, we, we ad lib some lines and we came yeah. up with stuff and the audience loved it, but it was, it was pretty terrifying. <laughs> oh, I, I can imagine. I can imagine. It was okay. She, uh, I think she sprained her ankle, but in the end she was okay. Okay. Well, yeah, those, those don't sound too fun, but at least you can laugh about them now. Yeah, definitely. Okay. So we've talked about your favorite past productions, but what is your dream role? Now, this is very open-ended, very big, because it could be anything. It could be on stage, off stage, creative team, film, TV. Like, it could literally be anything that you would want to try. I've had people say they want to voice over, like, a video game. Some people say they want to do animation. Some people say it's a stage role. They want to direct something. Like, it's really anything that calls out to you. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of acting, uh, I would love to be the MC again on like a, a bigger platform, maybe on a tour, or on on Broadway or something. That was just such a such a dream role, and it was a dream role. And I've been very fortunate to be able to perform some of my dream roles, like uh, Leo Frank and Frey, Jean Valjean and Les Mis, um, and the MC, but. Yeah, just doing that again and kind of getting a better understanding of the character on a bigger platform would be amazing. And um, so, so I was doing Catch Me If You Can right when the pandemic hit. And we were in our final um, tech runs of the show when the governor of Maryland put out the uh, notice that schools were closing. And we were about to open and we had to stop the show. And it was so unfortunate. We were so close. This happened to this happened almost every high school. They were right yeah. in well, tech uh, rehearsals. So we never got to perform the show, which really sucked because um, we were working on it for 
three or four months every day. Um, so, so I never got to perform Frank, um, Frank Jr. So, so doing that again and being able to perform it would be, would really, you know, give me closure on the show and it, it would be a dream role to do again. Um, but in terms, I, I also love writing music and, uh, oh, wow. yeah. And, and I've been, I've been writing on a, uh, song cycle. I've been working on song cycle, um, about, uh, following a family through the struggle of Alzheimer's disease. And, um, so I guess finishing that and being able to perform that and show people my work would be a dream. I, I really love uh, composing and writing lyrics. Um, I've got a long way to go and a long way to improve, but hopefully at Michigan, um, I'll be able to develop my craft and, and, and get some connection through that. But yeah, I, I think those are, those are some of my dream roles. <laughs> yeah, and I didn't know that you composed your own music. That's, I mean, that's amazing. Where do you... I mean, where did you start with that? And what gave you the inspiration to uh, write this show? Yeah, I, I really started during quarantine. Um, I, I was really in a rut. We, we weren't doing any shows. There was nothing to do. So I decided to teach myself guitar. And, you know, I'm still nowhere close to where I want to be. But I'm, I'm able to play a few songs on the guitar. And I, and I, I played piano for most of my life. And I play saxophone. So oh, I've always I, wanted to learn how to play the sax. I think it's so cool. It's it's pretty fun. You know, I chose it in third grade because it was the cool instrument. Yeah. And and there was always a test that my uh, conductor would do, like with the with the third graders, to see if our hands were big enough to play. And luckily, mine were. So I I, I played till my senior year of high school, and I really just fell in love with it. And you know, I play piano and kind of guitar. So I feel pretty well rounded musically. And so I decided to channel all my, I had so many emotions and so many words that I wanted to say during quarantine that I didn't really know how to. So I kind of put them in music. And um, I've been talking to Professor Wagner in Michigan because uh, he, he worked very closely with Pask and Paul during uh, their studies in Michigan. And they, oh, they were, yeah. Theater, yeah, they were music theater majors and they decided they wanted to write. And uh, he kind of coached them through all that and helped them write some of the shows and gave him tips. So I, I've been having meetings with Professor Wagner, which have been really amazing. And he's, he's kind of guiding me through the process of uh, writing the song cycle and connecting me to different people that help me out. Um, you know, it's still very rough. It's still in the works, but hopefully by the end of the year or, or soon to come, it'll be, it'll be at a stage where I'm ready to show people what it is. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's incredible that you've done so much over this pandemic. You started a theater company, you got into the University of Michigan, you're, you're writing your music. I mean, it's, it's really cool. I mean, and this will only, only benefit you like in, in the future, having these skills for sure. Yeah. And, and also the pandemic led me to TikTok. Um, I, I'm coming up on one year on TikTok and I've, you know, I've kind of grown this little community in, on theater TikTok. And I have like, almost 45, 45,000 followers, I think. Which is, oh, wow. That's, yeah, that's really good. And, you know, I, I've met so many people through the app and, and, you know, being on theater TikTok's a fun, a fun side of TikTok to be on because everyone's so encouraging and loving and we're all just there to, to share our love for theater. And it's kind of given me an outlet to um, perform because usually I post singing videos and, you know, covers of songs. And it's been really great to share my work with people because, you know, that's something we missed during uh pandemic because all our shows are canceled. So everyone kind of uh, bound together and um, formed this really tight-knit community where everyone's very supportive of each other. And um, yeah, I've just met so many incredible people through the app and it's, it's given me a lot of, a lot of creative freedom. <laughs> yeah. And there's so many people that's done so much, like the Ratatouille musical is crazy. Like if you're listening and you don't know what that is, basically on TikTok, a bunch of theater creators have come together to create a musical about Ratatouille, the musical, uh, oh, sorry, uh, the movie. And they've created a musical out of it and it's blown up. Like Playbill has picked it up, Broadway.com. It's, I think it's like soon to become like an actual Broadway like production now, which is 
insane what people can do. So yeah, it's it's pretty ridiculous. I mean, it started off, I think, from, like as a joke from like one. Is this one guy made like a shoebox set version of it? And yeah. Then songs, um, but it's really blown up, and it's it's kind of amazing to see. It, it reminds me of uh, SpongeBob musical when they have all these different writers coming. Yeah. In. That's kind of what's happening. You know, people just write these songs on TikTok and they all just blow up and people love them. And I think it, it, it kind of is a joke. It's kind of like Gen Z is taking over Broadway mm-hmm. and, and people started writing um, up the musical. And, you know, these, these uh, actors who are out of work, they just put all their energy and time into this and create huge orchestrations for the overtures and, and it's really amazing what people can do because, I mean, it's not just TikTok. These are, these are people who dedicate their lives to theater and they don't have anything to do right now. And this is just an outlet for them to share their, their love and talent. And it's, it's really amazing. And what's so cool is that people who were aspiring to be in theater, you know, posted a video of a song they made for the show and it blew up and now they're actually involved in the, in the production of a Broadway musical, which is again, incredible. It just gave like, like an opportunity that was so many people's dreams just to them and wouldn't have happened without, you know, TikTok, which is crazy to say, but it's true. Yeah. It's, it's definitely given a lot of people amazing opportunities. Um, I've met some of my idols on TikTok and, you know, it's just been crazy. Like I really idolized Jeremy Jordan and his, I mean, who doesn't first, like, (laughs) <laughs> and his music director, Ben, um, we're like good friends now when he joins all my lives. And I went to one of his social distance concerts in, in Delaware and I got to meet him. And, and it's just really amazing at the opportunities that TikTok has opened up for people. And it seems kind of silly, but this kind of becomes people's lives. And, you know, people meet their best friends on TikTok and and it's just really amazing what an app can do. I remember when, when it was being shut down, people were crying over it because this yeah. is like what they've been pouring. I was really upset because I've been pouring my, my heart out into these videos for the past like few months. And I was really shocked at how upset I was that it may be um, taken down. Um, but it just really goes to show you how connected people can get to their work and their videos. Mm-hmm. And you know, some of these videos save people's lives and they, they really make differences in people's lives, just like Broadway shows. Um, yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. It is. So final question now. Do you have any advice for anyone who wants to go to a college for musical theater just like you are? Or just who wants to pursue theater in general? Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean... I'll reiterate the quote I said, you can't move forward when looking to the side. That's probably some of the best advice I've ever been given. I, I went like, I, I was a person who constantly compared myself to other people and I was very, very competitive. And, you know, freshman, freshman, sophomore year, I, I had a really big head and a really big ego. And looking back, I was, I was like, what are you doing, man? Um, and I was like, oh, I'm better than him. I'm better than her. That's, that's an awful outlook to have. And when you go into this process, everyone is going through it too. Everyone is struggling and everyone is very extremely stressed out about this. So as much as you help out the people around you as much as you can, if people ask for advice on monologues or songs, give it to them. Because even though you are competing for these spots and programs, you're all going to be together at some point in the future. And so the more connections you can form, the more friendships you can make, the better. Like, I, I've made countless friendships through through the auditions um, with, with people who are at various different schools across the country, and, I, and I've kept those friendships. And there's just so many talented people out there, and no matter what school you end up at, it's going to be right for you. Like, you you will end up in the place that you are supposed to be. I know I know some of my friends who got into maybe one school. They auditioned for thirty, and they are so incredibly happy at that one school that they got into. Because every, every program is truly unique and incredible and you're going to get world-class training at any of these schools. Um, and I will say for, for right now in the pandemic, um, finding material that speaks to you is so important 
because you know the point of in-person auditions is to get a vibe for you and to see what you like and what your personality is like. And usually on Zoom auditions, they don't have as much time to talk to you and get to know you. So you really have to show your personality through your material. And the more genuine you can be and the more you you can be in your songs and your monologues, the better. And that's only going to serve you and it's only going to help you in the process. Um, but yeah, ev everyone has their own individual track. You know, everyone, everyone's on a different path and that's okay. And if someone gets into your dream school, celebrate that. Don't, don't bring them down for their accomplishments. That's amazing for them. And you are going to get into your dream school, no matter what. You're going to end up at an incredible school. Yeah. And that makes so much sense. And it just reiterates what everyone in the industry says, is that you can't try to be something specifically for someone. Like, you can't try to morph yourself into someone who would play this character well if that's just not who you are as a person. And directors, you know, like the like uh, musical theater faculty, like everyone will see through that. Yeah, exactly. The most important thing is just to be yourself, like you said. Yeah, everyone is completely unique. There's no, there's no types, you know, that there's no typecasting, you're you. Um, and, and if a program does put you in a box, I would, I would be hesitant about going there. I would try to find a program that really lets you express yourself and, and follow the path that you want to take. If, if, some, if somehow you want to stem off from musical theater and you want to go be a composer, try to look for programs that offer you those classes and offer you the things that you want. Mm -hmm. And it's really to do as much research as you can on these programs and see, and see what they offer you. Talk to alumni, um, schedule a meeting with the head of the program, um, and really do research on their classes and, and what they offer because that's so important because it's going to be your home for the next four years. So you really want to be comfortable and know that you're going to be taken care of in that program. Yeah, you, yeah, you pretty much said all, said it all. So we've unfortunately come to the end of this episode. So thank you so much for joining me today, Ian. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. It's been so much fun. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed talking to you and just listening to what you have to say. Absolutely. Thank you. And thank you to everyone who tuned in. So look out for future episodes airing every Saturday at 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Stay safe, everyone. Bye.